The first decade of me existing on the planet was full of toxicity. Nothing was ever given to me, ever. And you gotta go get it, it's not gonna come to you. I didn't have boundaries or I, I didn't have standards for my life and say no to all these things that are not my mission. That's not what God put on my heart. It's somebody else's mission. You have to really discern what is for you and what is not for you. And you have to learn how to say no. How can I make my team be better skilled than any other team in the world? What you focus on expands and what you focus on you find. The minute you think you're better than people, you've lost your leadership. Welcome back everyone to Diary of an Empath. My next guest, I'm so excited to have her on, is Emily Ford. She is an internationally known speaker, an entrepreneur, a self-made millionaire, and she's also the host of one of the fastest growing entrepreneur podcasts. It's Emily. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so blessed to be here. So I actually would love to start off with your upbringing. We have some things in common and I know that people can often assume from social media that we started out a certain way. And that's not always the case. I know that you didn't have the you had some challenges growing up. So I would love for you to share how your upbringing kind of led you to where you are now. Mm, yeah, so good. I always wish that I had a video camera or even like a, a reel of my upbringing so people could really Same. understand. Like, listen, I was raised by a single mom in a small town in Minnesota. The first like decade of me existing on the planet was full of toxicity. And what I mean by that is, you know, my dad left when I was one because I was a girl, not a boy. I had another brother who passed away and you can't replace when you lose people. Um, so that was like embedded in me from a young age because an adult made a mistake to tell me all that. And then she had a live-in boyfriend that beat her up some days. The next day he was super nice. Like that's literally how I grew up. And I was the youngest or am the youngest of three. And so I was just trying to find my way, but I was fortunate. You know, I always look at the good and everything like watching my mom just make stuff happen. Like, I don't even know how she put me in volleyball. I don't even know how she put food on the table half the time. Um, but then I watched her also persevere and get out of a horrible relationship and changed the game when I was about in like seventh grade. So I saw that whole transformation. And, you know, for me, I always just loved people. I, that, I mean, that's how my mom is and was. And so um, growing up, like I didn't really love school, but I loved people. And, um, you know, I quickly learned that, you know, oh my gosh, if you love people and take care of people and lead people, I learned this from such a young age, you'll be blessed. And, and you know, and that's really what I did growing up and was super involved in school. I was my class president. I played volleyball. All, all the things. But after high school, I was like, I really don't want to go to a traditional college. I'm like, I don't even know what I would do. Um, so I'm like, what's the fastest thing that I could do? And I'm like, okay, I could be a massage therapist. And so I did that in nine months. And I started working for one of the top plastic surgeons in the Midwest at 19. And so I basically learned like how to run this private practice then now how to work with wealthy people. I mean, it was just like this whole thing for a few years of my life. And that really taught me a whole heck of a lot. And on the side, I nannied for boys and I was straight up hustling in my early twenties, you know, so that was really the start for me. And I always though, I always had faith going like, you know, whether I'm like just popping into random churches or in Bible studies, like I always like was searching for the light and searching for peace in, in such a bigger way than myself. And I believe like that's what kept me like on the straight and narrow path when I could have totally gone the opposite way. 
I'm a firm believer that when you have a mindset of being in service to others, that is where a lot of the fulfillment comes in. Because yeah, we can do it for the money, we can do it for this, and all of that's great. It's icing on the cake. But I truly believe that when you're following a path in service of others and helping them in some type of way, when you have a true curiosity for other people, which I think as humans, we naturally do, that's when you start to really see the fulfillment. And when you intrinsically are motivated with what you're doing, that's where the true success comes in. Do you feel like for you watching your mother go through what she went through, get out of that and still somehow be able to put food on the table to give you the life that you had? Do you feel like it had to do or gave you, I guess, gave you key nuggets of wisdom to who you are now? Do you feel like that had something to do with it? Absolutely. I mean, people watch what you do, not what you say. And like your example, like any parents, if you want your kids to like do something, they should catch you doing it. It's what gets caught, you know? And so I definitely, you know, literally from the little things of seeing my mom have a note card out every morning on the kitchen table and it was her to-do list every day, like every day. And she would cross off like, go to the grocery store, buy Emily volleyball shoes, work, you know, nine to five, like, you know, and so I would see that and I would see her like, come home, mow the lawn, like do all the things. Right. And so, uh, I definitely believe that it it was such a a huge uh, part of the way that I'm wired. And also like a lot of independence. I mean, I had to work jobs to buy my first car. Like nothing was ever given to me ever. So it was like the minute I could babysit, it was like, you babysit every teacher's kid in the school. <laughs> like that's just, it was, you know, and, but then you earn the money and then you can buy what you want with it. And so that was instilled in me from such a young age that like when it comes to worth work ethic, I, I never had to like even learn that because I was brought up in it. Yeah, I relate a lot. Like I'm a single parent. And for me, I had to hustle to get where I'm at. No, nothing was ever given to me. I went in the Marine Corps when I was really young. I had my daughter when I was really young and went through a very toxic relationship, got out of that. And everything that I do, and I think why I'm so driven and such a perfectionist, and I'm honest with my listeners too, like I say, it is a trauma response for me because I'm afraid if I don't succeed and be the best that I can be, that no one is going to be there. So I have to succeed. I have no other choice. Take me back to when you were 23, because I know that that seemed to be like a transformative period for you. What was it about that age or what was going on in that time in your life that was so transformative for you? Yeah. Yeah. We all have those, like those times of life where it's like, that was when I made a decision. That's like a pivotal moment. And when I was 23, I was working as the massage therapist. I was nanny. I was competing in fitness America. I bought my first house when I was 21. I had three women live with me to pay the mortgage plus make money. Like, straight up hustle, hustle, hustle. But I still was searching for more. I was like, how can I be an entrepreneur? And I always say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I was searching, you know, and you got to go get it. It's not going to come to you. And I was like, who can help me? And I just had that mindset of like, I, whoever has what I want, maybe I can ask them questions. And so that was August 26, 2010. I met a woman who is 10 years older than me and she was in the network marketing space crushing it. I didn't even know though what that even meant. I didn't know what network marketing was. I didn't even know anything other than I wanted to design my days and, and live my life by design rather than by default. And maybe she can teach me a thing or two. And so I messaged her and I said, Hey, is your company hiring? Could we meet up? And this is in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We met up at a caribou coffee in Uptown. I'll never forget it. And that was the day one of me like starting a business, starting to really learn more about myself, do personal development. And I'm either all in or I'm all out. So I made that decision straight up, like, I'm going to do this. And so that's the day that changed my life forever and um, really allowed me to have the life that I have today and really the foundation of all the skills that I've built. 
I competed in fitness too for about <gasps> two years. I, I'm like you, girl. I'm all in or I'm all out. When I get something in my mind, I go a hundred percent, like, and I go very quickly. So I'm very much like you. And although I, I think that it's a great quality to be driven, I have found myself in the past being a little burnt out. Do you ever feel like there was a time in your life or during that period where maybe you were taking on too much? And if so, how did you overcome that? Yeah. Yeah. The ego loves to be so busy and, uh, mm -hmm. Uh, as an achiever, oh, oh, 100%. And, and as I, I'm an outgoing introvert empath to the nth degree. So, yes, when same I, with me. Oh, my God. You're my sister. 100%. Like I said, I know. So, We're like, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I really had to figure this out, though, because I was like, is something wrong with me? Like, why do I get so drained? And I didn't have boundaries or a better word for it. I didn't have standards for my life. And so I got into a business with network marketing. It's basically like a volunteer army and people will text and need you at all hours of the day. I had no business background. So I didn't know, like, let's schedule a call. Like instead I was reacting to everybody else's agenda 24 seven. And, you know, I had to really learn, like, if I want to stay in this game and actually get better and not stay the same and grow as a human, as a leader, I'm going to need to like bookend my days. I'm going to have to have, you know, standards of operation around what I do. What do I, what do I allow? And what more importantly, what do I reinforce in others? Mm -hmm. And so I had to really go through that. I'm still going through that. Even today, I'm in a new phase of my career and it feels like there's everybody from every which way constantly wanting something. And I have to every day reset and take a minute. And I even just hired a new staff member and I, you know, she's like blowing me up at 7am and I'm like, sis, like, you know, we don't, you know, I don't jump on it until 10 a.m. because I have this whole morning routine. I go, my days are long. So sure, send me whatever, but just know I'm not even looking at your stuff until I'm ready, until I'm reset. So it's been a definite journey. And I've also realized if I want to make a wave and make an impact and actually create companies, then I have to literally have blinders on and, and say no to all these things that are not my mission. That's not what God put on my heart. It's somebody else's mission. And, you know, you have to really discern what is for you and what is not for you. And you have to learn how to say no. I agree. And that's something that I'm still learning. It's still something that I'm struggling with and I process. It's a not linear path, right? Sometimes I'm moving straight and forward. And then sometimes I find myself taking a step back because like you, I always find that people want a little something from me, especially when you're a natural healer, when you're an empath. And I think we want to help. We want to be there for everybody. So in a time in my life, it was very difficult for me to say no. And I'm still learning those boundaries now. But it's so important because especially if you're sensitive to energy, if you're someone who naturally helps people, it will literally drain the life out of you. And I always tell people like, it's a cup, right? Like you start out, it's full. But if you're pouring into everybody's cup before you've even poured into yours, by the end of the day, you only have like hardly anything left to give to yourself. So I love that you have your morning routine and that you kind of like give yourself some space to recharge, reset and get ready for the day. I would love to hear about your first million. How did that because first of all, we don't see too many female self made millionaires. I love that. But I would love to know, like, what were you thinking? How did it happen? And did it change the way that you viewed yourself and the way that you did business? Side note, did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a professional tarot reader? It's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life. Tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too. Click on the link in this podcast for more info. Okay, back to the podcast. 
such a good question. Well, you know, I, there's so many people ask me all the time, like, how are you so confident? How do you cultivate confidence? How do you cultivate certainty in anything? And I believe that God will meet you at your level of expectation every time. And so when I started my company, you know, I set goals. And initially when I came in, I wish I could just say, oh, I wanted to be a millionaire, but it was to pay my rent, (laughs) you know? And then when I got really clear and grew a little bit, I was like, whoa, and something unlocked for me. And I read Secrets of a Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. It's it's one of those books that you should just read yearly, honestly, but it really reset my financial blueprint. And I got so clear and I'm like, okay, seven figures a year is what I'm going to do. Because, you know, if even if I'm just hitting six figures, like if you pay taxes, I mean, gosh, let's just be real. It's not, it it, it just hits you real fast, especially if you're an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. And so that was the standard for me. And and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like when I'm going to get there. It's, it's, I'm going to get there and I'm on the way to get there. And like the universe will conspire in my favor, but the focus is there and I know the activity. And that's something that, you know, I think that I really have that gift of knowing it's the activity. Like what activity are you doing today? Like what is the hardest thing you did today? Every single day I ask myself, Emily, what's the hardest thing you did today? And if there's no hard things that I'm probably not activating my spiritual gifts, I'm probably not stepping in and actually making a difference on this planet. If everything's easy, you're never going to grow to that level. And so I just did hard things every single day, recruiting new team, uh, built a huge sales organization, identified leaders, helped create leaders and helped foster duplication using systems in the, in a health and wellness and beauty business. And so basically having, you know, now, you know, 200,000 distributors that they consume or also sell the products that I sell. And the greatest way that you'll have a financial gain from that is equipping your sales force with the confidence the tactics, all that on how to sell. And so I quickly realized that how can I make my team be better skilled than any other team in the world? How can I give them confidence, help them cultivate their personal confidence? And so, you know, I was just on that mission. And then what I realized when I got there, I was like, oh, this is cool, but this isn't all there is. And, you know, and that, that happens too, where you, you go for a goal and then you get there and you're like, oh, okay, what next? You know, and that's kind of what happened to me. And I, so I took a little sabbatical to Africa and did some work building schools and, you know, had put myself in a situation where like I had to humble myself and really realize like what this was all for because you can get so caught up in the titles and the chasing this and chasing that and all that's great. I always say people with a lot of money, if they're good people, they can do good work. If they're bad people, then we know what that looks like. So, you know, really it's just been an evolutionary process, but that, I mean, that happened when I was 26 years old. So, you know, I turned a million in three years just by following the steps and by focusing and and doing the hard things first that everybody avoids. Like people in my life have read way more books than me, but I've taken way more action than them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because the 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 learning is found in the doing. And mm-hmm. and so I just kept the main thing the main thing, honestly. I think a lot of people go through this journey. If I get the house, I'll be happy okay, I got the house. If I get the relationship, I'll be happy. Okay, I got the relationship. And it's kind of always like that next pillar. But I think more times often than not, we don't stop to enjoy the view. You know, it's constantly like living in the future or living in the past. And I think that this generation, in many senses, we have a hard time being present and really enjoying the journey of what's to come because we just don't know what the future holds for us. I mean, you didn't know what your future was holding for you. I sure as hell didn't. So (laughs) I'm trying really hard to enjoy the path now. You know, one thing that you mentioned about, you know, even the book that you were reading and really believing, not just saying, oh, I'm when I like if I get the million, it's when I get the million. It reminds me of the law of attraction. Did you ever do a a vision board or write things down? Yes. And I Love still it. have, I'm, I'm in like my office studio in Santa Monica and, and on my fridge, I still, 
I have a vision board on my fridge right now. I have always had a vision board and I actually have a, like a, a plastic baggie, a gallon plastic baggie of all the things that have come to pass on the vision board. So I take I them love off that. the vision board. Yeah. The first million dollar check I wrote was on there. Um, my, my significant other, like when I was through a period of transition, divorce, singleness, dating, uh, you know, trying to find, you know, I was like, no, I got to get clear on the man I want. And so I put out the attributes mm-hmm. of like, th- I will not settle if like, this is where I'm going. And I met him after I did that exercise and I went to the beach on January 1st and I came home and I put it on my board and every single morning, cause it's not even about just having a board. It's like, you got to look at it. You got to feel it. You got to believe it yes. every single day. Mm-hmm. And so I'd look at it. I'd have my little coffee time and look at it touch it, touch your board. Like, and I met him one month later and it was not a date. It was like, and so I, and I tell you this, like so many things, I had a view of the Pacific ocean. I lived on the Pacific ocean. I had, you know, just so many little things. Uh, I absolutely believe in the law of attraction. What you focus on expands and what you focus on, you find. And so if you know what you're focused on and then you match that with action, it's just like, it's just suddenly funny how everything happens. It's like, oh, wow, how did this happen? Well, this is on my vision board. So now this person is now like intercessing, coming into my life and they're going to help for that. And it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. And like uh, the late Bob Proctor, like studied his oh, yes. Yeah. I love the him. Secret, he um, died. Rest in peace. I know. I know. And, and so I absolutely believe in it. And it is so powerful. Mm-hmm it's all about energy too. I always tell people energy is very real. We can't see it, but it's measurable. We all have energy. When you put these things into the universe, your thoughts have a measurable frequency. It is what you will attract. So you have to put out these thoughts of, you know, not I'm in debt. I'm in debt. No money is flowing. Money is coming in. And that's really the mindset you have to get on. So I love, love that you did that. Did you ever feel like quitting? Because like, I, I hear you and like, man, she's motivated. She's doing all these great things. But was there ever a time that you're like, I'm done. I can't do this no yeah. more. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in, in my first year and, you know, I always say like, especially if you're going into a new profession, like give yourself some grace, like you're in a new incubator. I always tell people like, imagine yourself in an incubator and at least give it a three-year commitment because you got to learn the new skills. If you want to be a speaker, you got to like learn how to talk very well in a coffee shop meeting in front of one or two people. If you're ever going to expect to get on a stage of a hundred of 500 to 5,000. Right. And so, you know, in that first year though, I was constantly fighting the old with the new of where I wanted to go. And so it was like this tug of war of like the past trying to pull me back. You know, I grew up around broke-minded people, mediocre people, people that blame their way through life. A lot of victim type of girlfriends that I used to be friends with where it was like, woe is me. Uh, You know, like anybody that was motivated, that was like, they had such an inferior complex to women that were motivated. And it was, there was not these beautiful open dialogues. It was very judgmental. So I was constantly fighting old people, old paradigms, old everything with where I wanted to go. So I would take one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps, until I cut the freaking cord right? But there was moments where I was like, you know, maybe I'll go work for somebody else. And, you know, the days, the days of like, I would do meeting after meeting, I would get all ready, I'd go to the coffee shop, I'd give my freaking soul away in that meeting. I would, you know, (laughs) and and as an empath, I'm like, just drained AF when I'm Mm -hmm. done. And it was like, they didn't want to sign up, they didn't want to do it. And it was just like, you know, days would go by, weeks would go by of that. And I would, I would lay on the couch and I'm like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Like maybe, you know, and then you get one phone call from a dud person that's from the past and they're like, Hey, let's go to the bar. Let's go to happy hour. And it's like a slippery slope. So Mm -hmm. I always had to come back. And and what I really have done is like, I set things up in my life that it's going to cause me to rise up, like an event that'll cause me to rise up. That's why I believe so much in events and personal development, because 
we're all human and you're going to slip back. So you need to have those constant little reminders. But yeah, to answer your question, of course, until I really shifted my identity and cut the cord of the BS, like I constantly had the tug of war until I really stepped into understanding who I am and how powerful I am. I constantly had that of trying to aim to please people. Um, and I really couldn't be my full expression of who I am because I was always trying to like say things or fit in to please other people. And it, it just kills your soul. It killed my soul and it slowed me down. Speaking of cutting cords, do you feel, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that and validating myself and anyone listening, because I think we've all been to the point where we're trying to accomplish something and it's, it sometimes can be defeating. So I definitely validate you and thank you for sharing. Do you ever feel like, or did you ever feel like when you were going through this process of transitioning now into a business that you had to cut friendships off or that your friendships change? Because I just made a post about this. And I feel like for me, I really saw who my friends were when I opened a business. And it's not that I think that other people are bad people, but I really saw people that weren't supportive at all. Did you go through anything like that? Yeah. And I'm still going through it. Mm-hmm. And it Same. never stops. And like, Cause I've evolved. I've started in the network marketing space. Now I'm like playing with Hollywood people sometimes. Now I'm doing other, I'm creating a a program and I'm, uh, listen, I will never stop trying, improving, whatever. Cause I'm just following the call of my life. And there's people that, you know, they, what, what happens is when people don't live their life of taking a hundred percent responsibility and just like owning, like, I'm going to do the work. This is my mission. And, and, and they don't do that deep work. The minute they see someone like you who is like taking control of life, you're a single mom, you're exquisitely gorgeous. You're a badass. Like you're stepping out. Like I'm truly mean it. If they haven't Thank done you. the work, they're like, mm, let me just find a way to like diminish her a little bit because it may make me feel a little bit better about myself. And, you know, I pray every day that I don't have a jealous spirit or a jealous heart. I, and, and the more that I understand who I am and and we were all wired with our own spiritual giftings and not one of us are ever the same. I can look at another woman who's crushing it, who's following her call. And I'm like, how can I support you? That is beautiful. How can I praise yes. you? How can I, even if you're 10 steps, a hundred steps, 500 steps ahead of me, because I don't want an evil spirit. I don't want an evil heart. I don't want a jealous heart. And unfortunately, many people don't live life by conscious design. And so they're not, they're not a, a, like leaving conscious that they're acting that way. And so, so much through my career, time is money. Time is, time is precious energy is precious. And I spend more time alone than I actually do with girlfriends or people because I have to (laughs) refuel my soul. Yeah. And the women I spend time with or the people I spend time with, like there has to be an equal energy exchange. Otherwise, like I'm just not having it. Right. And I've had so many times, and I think the women need to hear this, where I had a group of friends. I had a couple girlfriends for a season of my life. And then I've continued to grow. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how do I feel after I spend time with them? Was that productive? Was that soul fulfilling? Do I feel judged right now? And if that's the case, and I kind of analyze it, I just know, like, I'm not going to fully cut you off, but I'm just going to kind of take a few steps back because that's right. You know, it's just not worth it. Yeah, that man, you said it so eloquently because that's, uh, I think, my struggle and some of the struggles that I've had. And I've had a lot of people that I've had to move from like the inner circle to the outer circle. And Gary Vee said it so well that when people come at you from that place, whether you know them or not, 
to come from a place of compassion that, wow, you, you really had to take your energy, stop what you're doing and say something negative or go out of your way to make a negative comment. Like, I feel nothing but compassion for you that that's where you are at in your life. So I, I, when I started to come from a place of compassion and really understand that they may not even be aware of that, what they're doing, or that maybe there's just stuff going on with them that they haven't healed, that that's their trauma Mm -hmm. response that, you know what, I actually feel a lot of compassion for you. And that's when I started to feel really empowered by that to know, I acknowledge what this person said or didn't say or didn't do. And that's okay. And I'm not going to hold on to that. But before I was holding on to it. And that was the key difference. Because like, as empaths, we we hang on to stuff. (laughs) It's it's so that I'm so glad you said that. Because yeah, it's it's I still love them. I send them love. I pray for them. Like, I'll still like, you know, hard up their stuff, whatever. It's just, they're not getting like, they're not going to get in my energy field. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that makes a big difference. Do you feel like being a woman in business has been challenging? Mm, Yeah, I've had to navigate it. I've had to learn, I've learned a lot. You know, there's some of events, some things I do where it's like 80% men you know? And so there's been different areas of it, either, either feeling like at first I felt like I had to prove myself. And then I'm like, no, just show up as I am. And these are my, this is my gifting. Um, so there's that element of it for sure. Um, but then also just demanding respect, like you have to demand respect and, and just show that you're not going to put up with any BS and, you know, People know pretty clearly, like you can't, you can't mm-hmm. cross her. Like I just won't, I won't deal with it. And I, and I've had to learn, and I'm sure many women can deal with this, especially in sales and women I mentor that are single deal with this. They're like, I was going to do this meeting with this guy and I wanted to share with them XYZ business opportunity. And then, then the minute we're done, I get, and this used to happen to me, I'd get in the car and they're like, Hey, that was like, great. Thanks for sharing. But would do you want to go out on Thursday or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like th- those kind of things can, can happen. And, you know, you have to, you have to understand like the energy you're putting off. Like, are you flirtatious back? Are you, you know, if you truly don't want to investigate in that or, or, or whatever, like, and I was mentoring a woman and I was reading some of her DMS cause she was trying to build a business. And I was like, do you see how this message comes across super flirtatious? And I'm like, Let, let's like rephrase this because right now it's like, I don't know if you want to date the dude, or I don't know if you want to show him the business because you're like blurring lines by your language. And so again, it's by what we allow, it's what, what we reinforce. So for sure, like, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've been through all that. And, um, I think the more you love and respect yourself, literally men though, they like, know like, I can't fuck with her. Like it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, she's not one that's going to, um, take my BS. And that's just like the standard I have. <laughs> yeah, no, I relate. So I was in the Marine Corps. I also worked in a prison. I've, I've always worked in male dominated areas. And so even at the gym, cause like you, I'm, I'm huge into fitness and I've, I never get approached. And sometimes I'm like, I, you know, I am single. So I, I am trying to open myself and I've had people tell me like, you're very unapproachable. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's kind of like, I don't know if I can help it. I it's, it's, you right. know what you're getting with me. And if I don't want to be approached, you're going to know, I don't want to be approached. And mm-hmm. it's not that I'm a bitch because I'm very approachable. I'm a very nice person, but I'm very consistent with my energy. I'm very, cons- if, if I want to be flirtatious and I'm in an area like a bar or you will know, I'll be smiling. I will be much more approachable, but I, I do agree that it is within your energy too. And I, I think that as a woman, it can be difficult because especially for some who maybe haven't had boundary setting practice, it right. might be something very new. And I think you have to be very consistent and firm with your boundaries, especially when you are working in a male dominated area. Um, when I was in the Marine Corps, they taught us from the beginning. And this is something I actually still struggle with and didn't like. You're one of three things. You're If you're pretty, you must be a lesbian. You can be a bitch or you can be a whore. And I hated that. I absolutely hated oh that. But that God. is 
Yes, those are the three choices you have. So of course, what do most women choose to be? They chose to be the bitch. But unfortunately, not only did they always feel they had to prove something because they needed to keep up with their male counterparts and that's the only way they were respected. But then it's like, well, you're being a bitch to the other female Marines who need better leadership. So I feel like it affected their leadership. In your opinion, what does it take to be a good leader? Mm. Oh, wow. So powerful. You know, I, I truly believe that everything rises and falls on leadership and leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Like it's how much influence do you have? And when I look at leading people, um, I really have the philosophy of leading with love and grace and compassion, but also simultaneously challenging them and holding the line of respect and, and having those standards. And, you know, so when I look at leadership, you know, it's all about loving another person, encouraging another person, holding space for another person, and then challenging them. And so that's always how I've built my companies, how I've built my sales teams. It's a person. I'm dealing with. There's not, you know, we have different levels of leadership and I, there's leadership that are more dictatorship. I don't do well with that. Like I'm right there with you on the ground. Like nothing is above me and nothing is below me. Even today in my life, like I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna pick it, pick up the trash and take out the trash. Like I'm still gonna, you know, do all that stuff. And the minute you start to get a big head and you think you're better than people, the minute you think you're better than people, you've lost your leadership. The minute you think that because you make X amount of money, because you drive X amount of cars, because you have this status and you think you're better, you have completely lost your leadership card on me. And your head is in the the clouds, honestly. And so for me, it's all about people and it's all about leading people. And if you want to lead people, you must first lead yourself. And so the best thing that we can do is, you know, posture our heart, ask God to posture our hearts. We have got to check in with ourselves. We got to get our heart, heart right, our mind right. And, and then, then we can go lead other people the right way. So leadership is everything to me and not just in business and in, in life, in friendship, all that. And, you know, I just believe so much that if we improve our own personal leadership, like we're going to be able to go out there and, and help people the way that we're supposed to help people. I can't remember where I got this from, but one thing that I heard that always stuck out to me about being a good leader is especially when you're in a room with other people or even just having a one-on-one conversation, and this can apply to any part of your life. A lot of times we listen to respond. And I think that's natural. You know, we, we want to, we hear something that sticks out and you're like, Oh, I want to say this. But when you practice listening to just listen, take it in and then respond, listen to everyone around you first, then you're able to really form an opinion. And to me, that's what I think really makes a good leader is a good listener, someone Mm -hmm. who takes in, you know, the information around them that has comes from a place of compassion and understanding and empathy. So I love that you lead with compassion and empathy, because I agree with you. I think that that makes for a, a good leader in any part of your life, whether it's a parent or a spouse or a business person or a CEO. You mentioned a checklist that your mom used to do, and I kind of want to circle back because I remember seeing a post that you like to have checklists. It was kind of like your tips and tricks of staying organized. I would love to hear more about that because organization is a big struggle for me. So how do you stay organized throughout your day? Yeah, yeah, I I love this. I'm I'm so obsessed with it because I just feel like we have so many ideas. We have so anybody listening to this right now is somebody that wants more in their life. That's why they listen to your show. And we can easily just get off course. Like it just takes a minute, takes a DM, you know? And so what I've discovered is I have, you know, my Google calendar that's filled with the appointments and this and that. I actually theme out my days 
um, that works so well for me and the type of work I do. Like one day will be more for meetings and Zooms. The next day will be more for creating content. The next day will be more of like a, a deep work day where I'm hardly on social. It's more content creation, meaning writing, um, creating programs and systematizing. And so I'm a big fan of, of theming my days, but when it comes to day by day, what I do at night during my nighttime routine is I study my calendar. Like, okay. And my assistant texts me and she says, here's your day tomorrow. And I look and see like, where's the cracks? Where doesn't this make sense? Where, what do I need to focus on? What are, what's my critical task list? Like what is, what's going to move my life and business forward? And I make sure that it's in my calendar. And then I basically write out a critical task list every night. And then in the morning, after my morning routine, it's like these three to five things today must get done because there's going to be noise. There's going to be calls popping off. There's going to be all of it. There's going to be randomness happening where an appointment takes longer. Your, your kid's appointment takes longer. Suddenly they got the flu. Like that's just life. But if I know like this is my critical task on my notebook, it's like I stare at this all day. And if I find myself, I'm like, oh, she's going down the rabbit hole. She's going into squirrel status. Um, Okay, go back. What was that going to work on? Oh, yeah, I have this proposition or this deadline or this whatever to get done. Like right now I'm writing a speech that I'm giving next week, right? Like it has to get done today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I do. And then if it doesn't get done today, then it goes on to the next day, but it's huge. So I, I, I plan, I do, I review all the time. Like, even if I'm just sitting on my couch, like watching something, I have my computer pulled up sometimes and I'm like, okay, well, let me look at the calendar. Let me see where the holes are. Let me see what's not making sense. And I equally plan for like, let's just go watch the sunset. Like I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm like one of those that I'm not going to just grind till I die over here. Like I yes. work with intention. Intentionality is very huge for me. And I work really hard at scheduling things out. So that way I can have an ample amount of time of absolutely nothing happening. (laughs) So important. So important. And I learned the hard way. I'm just now getting to the point where I'm like, I have to be done by 5 p.m. Phone has got to be away by this time. And I'm not picking up my phone until 9 a.m. Like I have to schedule this time to just decompress because like mm-hmm. social media technology, oh. it drains the life out of me. But it's something that's a necessity. Like I have to use it to run my business. I almost feel like I feel like this generation, even like the generation a little bit younger than us, kind of gets shit on sometimes for being the lazy generation. But I actually feel like the younger generation is probably more of a work smarter, not harder. Do you feel like this next upcoming generation of entrepreneurs is going to be different than maybe where we are or the ones before us? And if so, yeah. how do you think, what is that going to look like? Yeah, they're, they're so smart. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm, I hire <laughs> staff that are younger than me and they're little wizards on the phone. What I am concerned about is skill sets with people. That's mm-hmm. the thing that I get most concerned about. Like, I'm so grateful that I started a business and learned like communication and relationship and sales and all that, you know, right when social was starting to pop off. But like, I built the majority of my team by doing meetings, getting them in, building up leadership. And so that is really what I get concerned about. So I think there's pros and cons. I think our generation for sure, we're like lost in it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're addicted to social media and I'm not concerned. Listen, it's like, you, you can only watch a couple people's stories a day because if you get so fixated on other people's lives Like you will literally always live in comparison. You're going to forget what you need to do. You're never going to feel good. You're going to feel left out. This is just the way it goes. And so, you know, I think there's a problem with people watching people's stuff all day long. 
And it's causing people to be broke. It's causing people to be like just completely miserable. It's causing people to not raise their kids correctly um, and not give them proper attention. And so, you know, that's really where we live in the age of distraction. And I think that's also going to, you know, affect our younger generation as well. I just don't think they're I think some of them that I, at least that I work with, like they're just more interested in their thing and they have that ability to be more, I think just self-focused versus like they don't get lost in what's going on. And uh, like, it feels like our generation and older, they're so concerned about like everything, which is like debilitating. It's super addictive. I I mean, I've had to limit the amount. Man, I checked my screen time the other day and I, I was ashamed. I'm like, I can't show this to anybody. How how does that many hours go by? Like, yes, I'm a content creator. And listen, I can sit here all day and be like, oh, it's because I have to be on there for work. No, no, no. I'm like, I don't spend, I don't need to spend that many. I don't need to check my email every hour. So right. now what I'm trying to do is like allow myself three times a day to check my email or to go on my social media four times a day to check messages or do whatnot. I told myself the very first person I'm going to hire, because I haven't done that yet, is somebody to run my social media. And a friend of mine is like, well, you can do that yourself. Like you're already doing the hard work with your reels. I'm like, it's not that. I don't want to spend my time and my energy doing that when I can use that same time and energy doing things that fill me with intrinsic motivation and that fulfill me and what I'm good at. I don't want to be consumed in this rabbit hole of like dopamine addicts that that's pretty much what's happening. Um, Do you feel like social media is a necessity for branding? Where does that law that where does that line get drawn, though? Yeah, yeah, it's it's I look at it as an IPA. So income producing activity and, you know, brands like we all have personal brands. And I tell anybody, I'm like, even if you're a daycare provider, even if you're not an entrepreneur, like still like this is what's called an asset. So build your brand, build you, you know, you don't have to go crazy with it, but at least, you know, I look at it as like real estate because anywhere I go, right. If I'm going to go get my nails done, what do I do? What, what does a millennial do? I go look, you know, maybe I'll find it on Yelp, but then I go right to Instagram and I search it up and I'm like, okay, what's the colors, what the shapes, what, like, how is this popping off? And I'm like, oh no, that's not my style. You know, same with like uh, facials or anybody, even when I was uh, hiring last week, you know, I had like hundreds of applicants. And when I got it down to the last three women, I literally like went and looked at their Instagrams, you know, like they don't know that, but like, so it's Mm -hmm. such a huge component, such a huge piece of it. I really believe though, that just like when you own a company and there's different levels, like you got to start making money and then you can hire out more people, of course, but you have to look at this as the marketing arm. And, you know, for most companies, the marketing arm needs to be, you know, 70 and 80% of what you do is marketing. And so, you know, looking at that, hiring it out or delegating or planning, I think it's just the planning, like somebody Mm -hmm. like you and me, we can crush if we just plan and set standards around it. And, you know, like you said, I love that where it's like after five, maybe I'll pop on there once at like 7 p.m. And I'll, but you have to, you have to speak to yourself. Like, I'm not kidding. I have to have a conversation with myself. Emily, we're going on. We're going to pop this off on this, on the stories. We're going to answer some DMs and, and then we're getting back off. Like you have to have a conversation. I want everyone to know that that's so normal because otherwise I always talk to like, myself. Yeah, me too. <laughs> my new assistant's like, Oh my God, yeah, I'm over here. Like, you know, um, but <laughs> that's what you got to do. Otherwise, like what happens is you're never present and you're, you're missing out on life. You're missing out on moments. Like a lot of times if I'm walking in the park with my spouse, Jake, like what I'll do is I'll just give him my phone and I'm like, can you just put it in your pocket? And then if I want like a picture or something that I'll post later, I'm like, Hey, can you just like take this quick? And I, I have him like, just take it. 
because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to be tempted. I really don't even want to know what's going on right now. And then on Sundays, I started doing this thing where I don't really go on on Sundays anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I'll like, like if I stories saved, I'll pop, I'll like go on and throw them up energetically as an empath. I have to like restore myself. And Mm -hmm. if I just am like, okay, I give myself permission. Let's like really not be on here today. But if I feel like I got to, I want to throw up some stuff, we'll do that quick. And then it's like, you're just not on just do, do what you organize your closet, write your book, whatever. When I knew it was a problem for me, I couldn't get through a movie without the urge to check my yeah. phone. Yeah. That's how I know it's a problem. When I'm pausing a movie because I feel the urge to reach for my phone and let, oh, let me see if I need to answer any emails. I'm like, I, this this needs to stop. The, the good thing though is I allowed myself the grace to say, okay, you're self-aware though. That's good. That's a first step. And I read this book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. He is amazing. And that book changed my view on everything And he even interviewed people from Facebook, from Instagram, and a lot of those key people who were involved in the design of it won't even let their kids have social media. And it's designed to keep you online, but it's also like a a necessity for marketing because it's free. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you use that? But it's that delicate balance of, Mm. you know, being present and you don't need your phone while you're out to eat. You don't need your phone while you're taking a walk. And those are the things that I'm starting to see and that I'm trying to make changes in. So thank you for, you know, validating me on that. Um, I would love to know for you, looking back at your whole journey, which has been quite amazing, what would you give your younger self advice? Like, what would you say to your younger self? You know, because I, I believe my mistakes are my greatest lessons. I do. I I think there was a period of my life where I was so afraid to make a decision and to like cut ties and to really move on, um, with a past relationship because I was so, afraid of what everybody would think. And, you know, I I feel like I lost years of just fully expressing myself because I was in denial. And I teach a lot on the frequency chart and, you know, um, Esther Hicks has the, the, the frequency emotional guidance scale. And so I teach on all that a lot. And it's like, when you live in regret, denial, all the sad emotions, it's a low frequency. And so I, I think like I would tell my younger self, you should have, could have, would have made that decision. We all have those things in our life that are haunting us, that we got to cut the cord. We got to move on, but we just, um, have people manipulating us. Maybe we're falling victim to that, which I was. And so I would say like, I would have moved on much faster because now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm like, this is bliss. And I'm able to just live and love and just do everything in this world that we're meant to do. But I had a period where I was so afraid to rock the boat and live my truth that I felt like I was in quicksand. And I would tell my younger self to just make a move much faster. And who gives a rat's what people think because they're not living your life. Mm, That's so powerful. I'm so happy that you're in this higher vibration. And I, I love that you that you're really aware of your spirituality, and you're able to connect with that and just live on a path of your true self and your purpose. And thank you for just sharing your vulnerability and just this aspect of who you are, because I know that your time and your energy is so valuable. And I am so humbled and thankful for you coming on the show. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been so fun and you are incredible. Like you're, you're real talk. Oh, and thank I you. appreciate that so much. So it's been an honor. Thanks, Emily. And we'll link everything for everyone to follow you, to find you, and of course, to listen to your amazing podcast. So until next time, see you on the next episode of Diary of an Empath.